We are finishing up our series today on construction, although I don't believe God's going to stop working on any of us in the, in the things that he's doing in our lives. Uh, you're very important to God. You're very important to God for the plans and purposes that he has in this nation, in your family. Uh, the people that live in your house are not there by accident. They're not, they're not there to ruin your life. Uh, they're not there to make your day a bad day. They're there to encourage you and exhort you to be all God's called you to be. And I think that we live in such a fast-paced world sometimes we, we forget that um, God designed everything. And from the very beginning in this, in this teaching, uh, I was teaching just on creation and how God created everything and how we're created. We're created for a purpose, and that's to create we're not just here just to take up space, but we have a purpose, and that purpose is to create. Everybody say to create. And once you understand how God created you and, and, and how he's created everything in the universe with this purpose and this plan, that we go from glory to glory. Everybody say from glory to glory. And so that means the people who come after us should do it a whole lot better than us because they take everything we've learned and they add it to who God's created them to be. And they have a tremendous foundation. And that's why in the old covenant, God said, I want you to teach these principles to your children, to your grandchildren, to your great grandchildren. I want these things to be continued so that nobody ever loses sight of the fact that God is the living God. He is the God of the universe, that Jesus Christ, his son, died for our sins. Today when we sang that song, the overcome song, the overcomer song, you know, I was thinking about how God just, God just in his mercy sent his only son so that we could live here today and walk in freedom. And the last thing we want to lose is our freedom. Everybody say freedom. And we have freedom to speak and see things be spoken into existence not the things that exist in the natural because we've learned through this teaching that God takes the invisible things and brings them into visibility and he did it by the spoken word and he has put that same power and anointing on us to do the same thing. So today's message is creative words. Everybody say creative words. Now I know uh, my husband has taught for years that women have more words than men. So if we're going to talk more, we better know what we're talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we want to be in agreement with God. Those words have power, the word of God. And if you'll turn to Mark 11, 22 through 24, uh, we're going to start there today. There's a review on your outline. If you're visiting with us, you can go through those scriptures. But basically, this whole teaching has come from 11, Hebrews 11, 3, where it says, God framed the world with his words. And he took what was invisible to create what was now in our sight visible. But in the beginning, it says the whole earth was void and there was nothing. So under construction, the whole message has been about us being under construction from the time we receive Christ, we're changed into a new person. But from the very womb of our mother, we were created by a living God. The scripture says so in Psalm 139. So I don't think construction stops until we see Jesus. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we want to make sure those are the words we hear when we arrive in heaven. So as we look at this today, Mark 11, we talked a little bit about this last week. It says, so Jesus answered them and said to them, have faith in God. Everybody say, number one, number one. have faith in God. Not in the ability we have, but in the ability that God has. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says, everybody say says, 
to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he, whatever he says. Isn't that, I mean, that is a, a big statement right there. If you speak to the mountain and you have faith in God, everybody say have faith in God. See, that's the number one thing. Have faith in God. Have faith in all the things we've shared the last three weeks. Have faith that God created you. And when he created you a new creature in Christ Jesus, he gave you dominion and authority in the earth. And so as that person, as that person God has created for such a time as this, turn to your neighbor and say, for such a time as this, then everything that you speak to, when you speak with the word of God, the thing that God is saying, you can speak to any mountain, any obstacle, anything that's standing in the way of victory. Everybody say victory. Anything that's standing in the way of victory, you can speak those words and you will have them. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe. Everybody say believe. Believe, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We talked last week. That's the way we get saved. That's why the Bible says you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the son of God, that he died for your sins, that he did die on Calvary, but he was resurrected and he's seated at the right hand of the father and he lives to make intercession for us. And because of that, we have victory in the earth. Everybody say we have victory. We have victory. And so as the church, when we understand our position and we've been given the blueprint, everybody say blueprint of what God wants to create in us as we walk with him, with him living on the inside of us. Then we begin to take that dominion. We begin to speak that dominion. We begin to believe and speak our faith. Everybody say believe, believe. and speak and believe. faith. And, and this is uh, today's message I believe will help you identify if you're doing that. I think we say a lot of things. In the course of a day, I know I say a lot of things in the course of the day. Since I've been sharing this message, God's been putting me under construction. I'm kind of glad we're done. We'll get on to something else next week. But that doesn't mean, he told me, that doesn't mean you're not under construction. We're always going to be under construction. So as uh, you look at, look at Mark, Matthew 4.4, 4. this is what, uh, what Jesus quoted when confronted by the enemy. Everybody say, confronted by the enemy. There is an enemy. There's an enemy that does not want you to use the word of God, wants you to use every other word, words of doubt and unbelief, words of fear, things that would, would bring terror and cause us to retreat. The enemy is an adversary, and he's good at what he does. The Bible says he's very good at what he does. He uses the same uh, principles, but some people, he does it in a different way. Just like God has the same principles, but over time, things change, and we do it in a different way. The devil has one motive. That is to kill and steal from you and destroy you. That's his, that's his desire. That's his ultimate desire. And when he came for Jesus, it says that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Everybody say every word. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In John 8, 26, um, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he said, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak. Everybody say, speak. I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. When Jesus spoke, there was authority and dominion. That's why people were healed. That's why people were delivered. He spoke spoke the authority of God 
into the situations and circumstances that he faced. Now, if we are created in his image, if we have been empowered by the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, I believe God requires us as the church to make sure that we are speaking what God would speak over a situation. When my husband started speaking 75 degrees and no rain, sunshine, no, you know, I said, you are ruining my message for tomorrow because we had rain and it was 61. And he said, no, he said it was just a cold 75. He will not change his confession. Now you say, well, that's absurd. Well, you, if you understand spiritual things, then you begin to speak your faith. And you are not moved by what you see. Sometimes you'll see it. Sometimes you don't see it. But we never stop speaking faith. That was just in a small thing. But many people retreat just before the victory. Many people's mouths have stopped the plan of God. Because what we say out of our mouth is what our heart believes. And if our heart doesn't believe fully, then God cannot place us where we're supposed to be because he knows there's going to be circumstances that will cause us to want to retreat and we will back up right in a very critical time and there will be destruction. Everybody say destruction. God has taught me this in in the walk that I've had for the last seven years. He said, you have to say what I say. Now, you know, sometimes we're intimidated in our thoughts. But, you know, we renew our mind. Everybody say, renew our mind. So you may have thoughts that say, this isn't going to happen or this isn't going to be that way. But your mouth has to agree with your faith. If your mouth does not agree with your faith, then you cannot be put, listen to me, you cannot be put where God wants you because your mouth is not going to say anything but what's in your heart. Your mouth will always speak your heart. And until you're solidified to the place where no matter how many times you are smacked around by the enemy, and no matter how many times he shows up, that's exactly what happened in Matthew 4. The enemy showed up, and God tested his own son to see if he would take that word that was truly the word for him. He was the son of God. He could be cast down from the highest mountain and angels would rescue him or however God would save him. But he did not take that because he said, my time is not yet and I will not bend. And so what he was saying was, my heart is steadfast, fixed upon the thing that God spoke to me and I speak it. I speak what the word of God is to me. You can take the scripture and make it anything you want, devil. But what the word of God says to me, that's the only thing that I'm going to speak. Are you getting this today? See, creative words have no power unless they're God's word and they're God's timing and they're God's ability to perform that word. That word ain't going to come to pass. But we have to continue to say what God's going to say. I have been chastised over this, so I'm just going to put a little of it on you today. Hebrews 8. This is what it says. For this is the covenant. Everybody say covenant. Now, this is what makes everything work. Covenant. Remember when we talked about Abraham, it was the covenant that God made with him. When he said, how do I know you're going to do this? He made a covenant. That's how he knew that God would fulfill it. But for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. This is about your covenant. This is about the new covenant in Hebrews. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. Everybody say their hearts. Their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, if you study old covenant, he said the same thing to them, but this covenant, God himself said will be a better covenant. Everybody say better covenant. How could it be a better covenant? Because the creative power of God rests on the inside of you through the power of the Holy spirit. 
So this covenant has power to work because in you is the power to only say what God says to say if you yield to him. Are you getting this? See, the old covenant people, they were, they were flesh. They had no spirit on the inside of them to give them energy or the power, the authority to speak God's word. There were prophets who did it. There were prophets who spoke the word. Jeremiah was a prophet. Ezekiel was a prophet. There were prophets. But what did the prophet do? The prophet spoke. And what did the prophet speak? The word. But the people had no power. This people, this new age that we're in, the age of dispensation that we're in, says you have the power to create in your life what God has told you you can have. There should be a whole lot more shouting in that. Because that's, that is powerful. Who has the power to create? We do. And who do we have power over? Our life and the people that God has put in our house. This is very important for parents. Because there's a lot of parents who are thinking everybody else has power but them. And that is not truth. The greatest power over children is the power the parent has. And that's why it's so important that our words stay creative. No child will be the same. We have to speak what God says over that child. Just because, and some of you know this that have had children, just because you have four of them doesn't mean they're alike. You wonder sometime, where did that one come from? Probably great-grandfather Charlie back there. He got a few of their genes, you know. I don't know where it came from, but God has the ability because from the womb he created that child. And so we have authority as parents to speak over those children what God said. This is how you create a generation. You know, the world is trying to take the young people of this generation. They are working way behind the scenes. I don't have time to go into all of it today. But if parents, everybody say parents, not teachers, not other people. If parents don't teach children to know Jesus and to speak out of their heart Jesus, then when they get in a bad situation, they are not going to know what to do. And we can cover them, but we also need to impart to them this truth. You are created with a purpose, and they need to know that from a child. You have a destiny. You have a divine destiny. You tell a child that long enough, and you won't have to teach them abstinence. You won't have to teach them a lot of things that they're teaching them today because out of their heart, they will know. And when it is in your heart, you cannot be stopped because that's where God put the word, in our mind and in our heart. Do you think he didn't know where he didn't put it in your big toe? And he didn't give you a mind to think on its own. He put his spirit in you to guide your mind so that it would agree with your heart. That's where the power makes the connection between what you know in your heart and your mind. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to make that word active when you speak it. And I don't, I don't always speak what I should speak, but I am being checked more and more as I walk with the Lord. And I believe it's because the day is getting darker and darker. And we can't count on, you know, the whole society isn't thinking like they used to. It's not like it was when I grew up. It's not like that anymore. There, there are adversaries out there, people that have been deceived, and they think they are telling the truth. And when people think they know the truth and they're telling a lie, then somebody better be counteracting in the spirit because that's the only place to stop those lies. You cannot stop it with a discussion. Try sometime with somebody who doesn't know the truth. You'll talk yourself purple, and you'll be worn out, and they'll still be deceived. Why? Because that is a spirit. That is a spiritual problem. And the only way to stop a spiritual problem is with spiritual words. Words. Everybody say covenant. That covenant that God made and putting that on the inside of us changed our position from one of performance to power. 
We don't have to perform for God. We operate in the power of God, and we change our situation. The example God gave me, and just real quick, if you think about it, the children of Israel, we, st- we talked about it last week in uh, Genesis. Can you help me with those few scriptures up there, Sarah? This, was, this is what God said to Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham. This is the father of our faith. I will make you. Did, did he say you'll make yourself? He said, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant. Everybody say covenant. Between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. That includes all of us. Then he said, and I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Did you get that? That was their covenant. Well, if you go to Numbers, they, they, they were glad to get out of Egypt when they first got out. But then they began to have to go through the wilderness under construction. Everybody say under construction. And, and their tune changed. And I love this. This was the example God gave me. They started thinking about how good it was before. God had provided manna. Everybody say manna. manna. That was bread. Everybody say bread. Jesus said, no man shall live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Bread is very important because it's provision for sustenance. It keeps you alive, bread. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. Can you just see this? They're rehearsing, you know, how wonderful it was when they were in bondage. How ridiculous is that? But all they remember is the food they ate. And then they say, but now our whole being is dried up. Isn't that a pathetic thought? We're just, our whole being is just dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. I cannot tell you what a slap in the face that is to God. Because it was his provision to keep them alive, and it was everything they needed in one wafer. Some days I wish that's just how easy it was. I don't like to grocery shop. Just feed Pastor Bill a wafer and say feel full hallelujah (laughs) but God made that wafer with everything they needed think of all the nutrients and everything and they're whining we don't have onions and leeks we don't that's how people are when they get under construction and God begins to take them in arena where they're not providing and he is most people get off the boat right there they want to be in control of what God's doing I took Carter yesterday to buy him tennis shoes Tennis shoes for a boy, Carter's age, especially, he's a fifth grader, and now it's getting important, you know, that he have the right tennis shoes, and he's, he's very athletic. And we were talking about it, and uh, I told him that I wasn't going to spend any more. Now, I, so, I know this seems absurd, but I could not spend more than $55 to $60 for his tennis shoes. Well, the ones he saw, of course, were 90 But I said, well, let's look again. And we found a pair that had been 90 for 60 and he loved him. And on the way back, I said, now, he, he was talking about the Sudan because we were on our way back to the golf course. I said, now, Carter, do you know that $50 a month is what it takes to support an orphan? And he said, and my tennis shoes cost 60 And I said, yeah. I said, that's because we live in a country that is blessed. And we're blessed, and Grandma can do that. But, but really, we need to think about that. And that really started clicking in his little mind. 
you know, it one that I, I said, I don't mind spending the money on tennis shoes, but your feet grow so fast. I'm not paying all that money for you to grow out of them next week. But, but this is the point. $60 for your tennis shoes and a child. He says, is that everything they have? I said, yeah, that feeds them and clothes them. That's everything they have. He said, do they get to buy any toys? I'll bet they buy toys. I said, nope, there's no toys there. I'm telling you, we are blessed people. We are blessed people, and God wants to bless others. And because we have blessed others, God will bless us, not just for our own needs, but for the needs of others that are going to come along and come into this church over time. I'm in a position now where I'm a grandma. When I was a parent, I couldn't afford, I mean, $30 tennis shoes were a big step for us. But because I'm a grandma, I'm able to bless. I believe God is a blesser. Amen. I believe he wants to bless. I believe he's made a covenant to bless. But I believe we have to begin to speak and confess those things that are not as though they were. And I have learned a lot as a grandparent. I call in the finances that I need. I call in the finances for my children. I, I speak every day the finances over this church. I call in what God wants to have in this church. What he told me he wanted to bring into this church seems absurd to me. And I finally told him, don't tell me what the offering is on Sunday because I just want to enjoy what the message was. Because I haven't seen what I'm calling. But I'll tell you what, God is faithful. And if God said it, then he's going to do it. They started complaining about where they were. Everybody say complaining. And when they complained, they continued to complain to the point that they complained themselves right out of the promised land. You can read it in Numbers. Finally, they said, well, we're not able to go. And by the end, in Numbers 20, where is it? Numbers 21, 4 through 5. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea. Now they're going into the, you know, the 40 years of nothing. To go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And then he said, And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Listen, that was not a good statement. Because when God created the bread, he said, Put it in the ark. Put a piece of that in the ark. The ark was in the most holy place. The only thing that was in there was the law, the, t- the Ten Commandments, the law that Moses had, the ark, and Aaron's rod that budded when everybody decided he couldn't be the leader and they thought somebody else should be. And God caused a stick to bud to prove that that person was the leader. He said, stick that in there too and let them know that I decide who's leading this troop. You know what Moses said when they started their grumbling? Oh, just kill me. Just kill me and get me away from these people. I've never wanted to be killed because of all of you, but I have wondered. Because Pastor Bill, I thought, was going to kill you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> have they been listening to me all these years and they still haven't got it? I don't, I don't know, honey. It must have been a bad day. I don't know. But I do know the frustration. Everybody say Frustration. That God must have felt, oh, dear Jesus, don't let it be broken. All is well. (laughs) God takes care of me. This manna was manna from heaven. Everybody say from heaven. So today, where are you at? Where are you at under construction? Are you satisfied with everything that you have while you're under construction? It's important that you say, yes, I am, because... God is taking me through here. 
And when we start complaining, when we start doubting, when we get into belief and all those things, those, those words create havoc. Those words come against the plan of a living God. You say, oh, that can't happen. It happened to these people. 40 years they wandered and they did not go in. They did not go in because they changed their confession to not agree with what God said. Not because God hadn't done it, but because they couldn't see it. Because they couldn't see it, they saw things that stood against it. I'm telling you, what you see in the natural is not what God sees. And so we've talked a lot about that, so I won't go into that. It says in James 3 that the tongue has power for good and evil. And it says both bitter and sweet can come out of that. You know, the water out of that faucet should not be fresh water and bitter, it says. But I'm telling you, there's an old man and a new man who lives in here. And those, that determines what's coming out of the faucet a lot of the time. Because it also says in Proverbs 18, 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. See, we think it's what other people do that stop us. That can never stop you. You will never be stopped by the words of others because the authority and dominion for your life is in you. The seed is in you to produce a powerful life. Proverbs 6, 2 says we're snared by the words of our mouth. That ought to be a clue. Now, the Bible also says in Proverbs chapter 4 that he says, live by every word that you hear from me because it's life to your flesh and health to all who find the word. Everybody say the word. That word is not just scripture. Because we know with Jesus, when he said, live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, the devil tempted with the word. It's the word that bears witness with you that God has spoken that word to you. And you have to know what God is saying. This is a critical time to know what God is saying. And if you don't know, you ask. Because he said, I will tell you. But this is what the word of God says in Matthew 15, 18. And this is so important. And, and this is why your heart, everybody say my heart. Your heart has to be kept right. It says in Matthew 15, 17, Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth, everybody say out of the mouth, come from the heart and they defile a man. Our words are what get us in trouble. And then it goes on and says, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies, all those things, but also doubt and unbelief. Everybody say doubt and unbelief. That's your worst enemy to faith, doubt and unbelief. It says in Matthew 12, but I say to you for, that for every idle word man may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Does that say by your neighbor's words? No, it says by your words. Why? Because that creative power is on the inside of you to shipwreck you or bring you through in victory every single time. And, and, and you may say today, well, I can't believe that I'm the problem. Well, I can't believe it either, but hallelujah, the word says so. I have trouble believing that I'm the problem a lot. But then when I get to the bottom of it, I said to my husband the other day in a situation, I said, you know, sometimes I keep seeing this is the problem, but God told me you're the problem. If you do not continue to speak what I called you to be, you will be the problem in every arena. You cannot live in the position you're in unless you speak what God's told you to speak in that position. If you want to be somebody else, you want to be like somebody else, all those things, you better be sure God said you're supposed to be like that or you will never be like that and your words will defile you. 
They will defile you. And the more you rehearse them, the bigger they get in your heart. So you have to renew your mind to what God says about you specifically. Every person is created with gifts and talents. And some match other people, but we don't all use them for the same thing. And that's the enemy's greatest tool is envy and jealousy. It brings strife. It's in James 3. It follows the part that says the tongue is evil. The tongue is evil. That's why God gave us the baptism of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues. And he gave it to the church. Why? Because the church can be evil. The church can let evil rule their tongue. Jealousy and envy and strife are just as big in the church as they are anywhere else. They're just not called that. But they're the same thing. They have the same effect. Now I've gone to preaching, so I'll move on the rest of my notes. Hallelujah. Righteous rule. Everybody say righteous rule. Righteous. Proverbs 29.1. I thought it was very good that Pastor Hagee is on my page today or I'm on his. I don't care. We're on God's page. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Now, I know we said that over government today, and I thank God for my husband who has become very fixed and appointed for such a time as this to do what he's doing. But my heart is for the church to start acting like the church. That includes speaking over our nation, but it starts in a house. It starts with a family. It starts with children. It starts with training children the truth about the word of God and then letting them make decisions. My husband had to have a talk with one of our grandchildren and uh, he, he talked to them. And when he talked to them, he said, I'm going to leave this decision up to you. You know, in your heart, everybody say know in your heart. And I'm telling you, he made the right decision. He made the right decision. He didn't say you shouldn't have done this or you should have done that. He went over all the details. They talked about it. And then he said, okay, I'm going to leave this decision up to you. You tell me. And whatever you say, that's what we're going to do. But I want it to be what you know in your heart. And he made the right choice. You know, discipline, a lot of times, is just sitting down with someone. See, God is a disciplinarian. He sits down and he talks about it. And if we get it, we're okay. If we don't, we're going to go around that mountain one more time. I've been around several mountains. I just want to pass that on to you. Avoid it if all possible. Hallelujah. Speak to it. Don't walk around it. Hallelujah. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. And, and this is just, uh, I just thank God for this message today because I was wondering how this was going to end. And God just put it all together this week. And I felt I was to go support my husband in his Sudan endeavors yesterday. And I love the Sudan too, but I wanted to work on my message. But I felt like God said, sow the seed and I'll take care of it. So when I woke up at 530, I said, God, I, I still need the ending <laughs> to my message. And uh, so he, he, he got it all together on time. But I want to share this with you because it's very important. 2918, where there is no revelation. Everybody say revelation. revelation. That is prophetic insight. Everybody say prophetic insight. Now, I know there are, uh, you know, there's still people who operate in the fivefold gift of prophecy or of a prophet, but we have the gift of prophecy within every believer too, because there's gifts of the Holy Spirit that belong to us and God wants to use those gifts. But even beyond that, we have the ability to speak for God in situations and circumstances, and we have prophetic revelation. You say, I don't, I don't know what the future is. Then ask God. 
Because it says, when you call on God, he will show you things to come. Jeremiah 33, 3, that's his phone number. If you want to call him up, call him. And you ask him, God, what do I do with this kid? What do I do with this situation? What do we do about our finances? Where are we going to have a job? You ask him, and he will show you he is faithful. He is faithful. You can have prophetic insight. And where there's no prophetic insight, no revelation, the people cast off all restraint. Now, I'm not condemning any family for things that go wrong in a family, but I'm telling you this, according to the will of God, and I didn't do it perfectly, but I believe this with all my heart because I believe the word of God. If we are listening to God, he will rule our house. He will rule it effectively. He will rule it powerfully. And he will show us what to say to every child. He'll show husbands what to say to their wives. That word submit has just been a, like a noose around people's necks. Women especially. I'm telling you, you don't, you submit to God. You resist the devil, he'll flee. Submission is a wonderful thing because it brings you into position for prophetic revelation. But it also says men love your wives as Christ loved the church. If the men work on that and the women work on respect, I think we fixed all marriage problems right there. Get some prophetic insight for heaven's sakes. Find out what God's saying because when you get there, you stop the work of the enemy. Ezekiel was a prophet. He spoke to bones that were dead, it says in Ezekiel. I love this scripture. It's in Ezekiel 37, 3. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? He said, Ezekiel said, God's asking me, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord, God, you know. How many of you have ever thought, I don't know. Good heavens. <laughs> I hope you know because I don't know. And you know what God said? Again, he said to me, prophesy. Do you know what prophesy is? Speak. Speak to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones signifies something that is no longer like it's supposed to be. Even if it looks dead. He said, therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord. Everybody say, thus says the Lord. This was a prophet. The same prophetic insight can be in your life for your family. Doesn't mean you operate as a prophet in the fivefold ministry. It has to do with the fact that God wants your family to have victory. And he will speak to you. And just like Adam named the animals, men can call things in their family the way they ought to be. Just like they said that, or the word says that, that Eve was created to be Adam's helpmate. That's so she encourages everything that God is saying over that family. He said they'd have dominion together. There's nothing about submit in that kind of a thing except to God. Everybody say to God. And so when it says in Ephesians 5, submit one to another. That's right before God says, women submit to your husbands. That is an order that brings fruit. Everybody say fruit. And it doesn't mean that either one of you are going to be right all the time. But you never become each other's enemy. You fulfill your office. Adam, tend the garden. Eve, be a helper in that regard. What is, does that mean she just sits home and she's barefoot and pregnant all the time? No, I don't even know why I'm preaching this. It isn't even my message. Somebody needs to hear this. Maybe somebody listening on the, on, the, on the CD. It's not about that. The devil keeps us so busy trying to prove who, who's better than the other person that we lose sight. Prophetic revelation is this. God created family. He created them male and female. He created them with dominion. And he put the power to have it inside of every one of us. He created marriages to be strong and powerful and produce godly seed. That's the only thing he says he hates about divorce. In Malachi, he says, I hate divorce because of godly seed. Everybody say godly seed. That's children. Everybody say children. Now, I'm going to close today because I believe that uh, out of the mouths of babes, 
There's going to become prophecy. There's going to become words that change. And in our children's church this summer, we had a, we had a, a, a children's vacation Bible school, and, and uh, my little niece, Hallie Grace, was in it. She called her grandma this week. Is Hallie back there? Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, he'll get Hallie. But Hallie is um, a fourth grader. Is that right? Tom and Amy's uh, daughter. And Hallie loves Jesus, and she loves music. And one of the songs was the ABCs of how to lead people to Jesus. And, uh, and Hallie wants everybody to know Jesus. You know, and it's like uh, her little personality lends to that because she's very bubbly and, and very outgoing. But, but not just that. She's not afraid of what people say. She told her grandma, I, was, I didn't care what the people thought. They were all looking at me. <laughs> now, who are the people? A bunch of fourth graders. <laughs> but you say, how bad can that be? Well, if you're in fourth grade, that can be pretty terrifying if you want to let it be. But everybody say prophetic voice. See, come here, Hallie Grace. Give Hallie Grace a hand. This is how. Now, I, I want you to tell that story real quick on, for all these people like you told me this the other night at Aunt Chrissy's or at Jernana's. Remember? About your friends. Okay. Um, one day, me and um, my friend Anna were playing on the swing set, and um, I asked her if she knew Jesus, and she said no. And I asked her, um, do you want to be leaded to the Lord and you'll have a better life? But she said no. But then um, one time, me and my other friend Sarah at school, we were sitting in a corner um, writing, and I asked her if she knew Jesus, and she said no. And I said, well, do you want to be leaded to the Lord? And she said, sure. So I told her um, the A and B and C, um, and, and I leaded her to the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, you know what blessed me so much about this? When you called your nanny, you said, I didn't care they were watching me. Were people watching you? But the first one said no. But that didn't stop her. She just waited for reading group, I guess. <laughs> and what did, what did Pastor Dan tell you? Was oh. it Dan? Yeah, that um, first when you ask somebody, you have a seed, and then, you, and then when you ask it again, you water the seed, and then you plant your tree. <laughs> So she's planting trees. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you give Allie a hand? Thank you. Praise the Lord. That ABC is admit, believe, and confess. Right, Allie? Admit, believe, and confess. So she didn't have the little book we used to have, but she had that song. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe and then confess. Everybody say prophetic. She has a prophetic revelation of who Jesus is. Every one of you have a prophetic revelation. Every one of you are called for this day. We are under construction for a purpose. And there are things that are happening that may block your road every way you go. But I'm telling you, if you will speak and not be intimidated by what's around you, you'll begin to see that God has called you for such a time as this. And when the righteous rule...
people rejoice. Amen. Let's stand up together. Father, I thank you today for every person. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.